Welcome back to this very special bonus Halloween episode of Worldwide Weird. I'm your host Linda and I have something a bit different for you today. This is a UFO abduction story. So today we're going to talk about Terry Lovelace and the Devil's Den. If someone were to claim that he or she had encountered entities from another world, the first thing a skeptic might do to blow holes in the story would be to question the credibility of the witness. If the guy is a bit of a Joe Schmo, maybe he just invented the whole thing for a shot at his 15 minutes of fame. If he had a history of mental health issues, it could be that he's simply gone off his meds. But every so often, someone who comes forward with one of these out-of-this-world claims is not only credible, but almost unimpeachable. Terry Lovelace is such a person. A former assistant attorney general for the U.S. Overseas Territory of American Samoa and the then assistant AG for the state of Vermont. He's not a man who would need or want to make up wild stories to get attention. He's a man who's lived a fulfilling and accomplished life and given his professional accomplishments, he's obviously of sound mind. But nevertheless, Terry's account is so incredible that many might struggle to accept it simply due to the sheer magnitude of his revelations. The main arc of his tale begins in the 1970s when he was a US Air Force medic slash EMT stationed at Whiteman Air Force Base in western Missouri. The base was strategically important because nuclear missiles were kept there, but Terry's work was a lot more mundane. Terry and his mate Toby would spend a lot of their time on standby, ready to rush to the scene of any accident or medical emergency or mishap. They'd pass long hours with nothing to do until a call suddenly came in, as it did on one cold night in January 1975. Terry and Toby received word that a man had fallen into a missile silo while attempting to service an ICBM. It wasn't the first time that this had happened, but when they got to the accident, the situation seemed far from typical. The place was crawling with troops and security personnel, all armed and seemingly attempting to secure the area, but secure it from what? The guards even stopped the ambulance and ordered Terry and Toby to stay where they were. They'd no idea what was going on until Toby happened to look over and see a black diamond-shaped craft as big as a full-size van hovering motionless 20 or so feet over a missile silo. They watched from the ambulance absolutely stunned as military personnel scrambled to surround the otherworldly object which remained suspended in midair completely still for the next several minutes. Then without any warning it suddenly shot off at mind-boggling speed moving so rapidly that it was out of sight of the horizon in mere seconds. According to Terry, there was no acceleration involved. This thing just went from a standstill to an incalculable speed in a split second. Terry and Toby were later debriefed by their commanding officer who told them that they had seen a secret US military aircraft and that they were not to talk about it. Terry didn't believe what he was being told for a minute and he later said so in no uncertain terms. We knew he was full of shit. For one thing, he did not think that the US had anything this advanced, and secondly, the explanation just didn't fit the panicked reaction of the military personnel on the ground. The troops weren't behaving as if they were just monitoring one of their own. 
They were acting as if they were being invaded. They seemed horrified that the craft was hovering right above a silo that held nuclear missiles. Terry was certain that this craft had been an unwelcome visitor at the base and the brass were simply doing their best at damage control and he would always wonder what he really saw that day. If this was the end of Terry's story, it would be incredible enough, but there's way more. Fast forward a few years to 1977 and Terry and his old pal Toby were on a camping trip and bad things always seem to happen on camping trips as we know. That also led to the encounters of the extraterrestrial kind. They pitched their tent at a remote Arkansas state park called Devil's Den. The place was known for its unspoiled wide open spaces but with its ominous dark name, dark caverns and jagged rock formations it was also the perfect place for a frightening encounter with an extraterrestrial. After a day of hiking, Terry and Toby were sitting outside their tent taking in the view when they noticed a few lights overhead. Initially they thought that the lights were separate, but then they realised that they are actually the three corners of a huge triangular aircraft. This became obvious when they realised that the object was blocking out a large section of the starry sky as it slowly passed overhead. That's when things began to get weird. First of all, the whole area suddenly became dead quiet. Before the craft showed up, there were all kinds of insects buzzing and birds chirping. But as the craft passed overhead, everything went completely silent. Even the wind seemed to stop. And the trees that had been rustling in the breeze were now motionless and quiet. As unusual as all of this was, Terry and Toby weren't that alarmed. They felt oddly indifferent to the whole thing, as if they were just in a trance or slightly sedated. It seemed as if the craft was somehow affecting their minds and making their reactions more subdued. Under regular circumstances, they would have been intrigued at least by what was happening. As it was, they just continued staring at their campfire as the huge craft continued its approach. Once it was overhead, it sent down a beam of light that hit the ground right in front of them. Terry thought that it was probably some kind of searchlight, scanning the ground below. But even so, he couldn't be bothered to get out of its way and hide. Even when a pencil-thin blue beam alighted across his own body, he just ignored it. And when Toby, who was apparently just as bored of the whole thing, suggested that they turn in for the night, he agreed. And so, with this otherworldly craft shining the spotlight down on them and crisscrossing blue fucking laser beams dancing over the campsite and their own bodies, the lads just popped into their sleeping bags, snuggled up and went for an hour's sleep. It later seemed clear to Terry that the craft had somehow sedated them but whatever spell they were under, it was broken around 3am when Terry woke up with a start, intuitively knowing that something was very wrong. For one thing, the whole park appeared to be lit up like a baseball diamond during a night game, and you could see multicoloured lights flashing through the walls of the tent. Completely bewildered, Terry looked over to see that Toby wasn't only just awake, he was crying. He was unresponsive and apparently in a state of shock, but Terry managed to nudge him to the side so he could look out through the flap. Peering out, he saw the source of the bright light, 
craft was now hovering just 30 feet above the ground like a floating five-story office building. It had previously seemed silent, but Terry now noticed a bass-like hum reverberating throughout the area. It was not so much loud as it was powerful. It was like standing next to a running diesel train engine or a large industrial machine, he said. Terry detected movement underneath the hovering behemoth and saw what at first looked like children walking around the meadow, but he soon realised, however, that these were not children at all, but rather short, non-human entities. And then he got another shock when they were transported up into the craft by a beam of light. They dissolved into the light in a fashion reminiscent of Star Trek's transporter, and then the craft slowly rose up and turned slightly before zooming over the horizon. Terry and Toby's previous apathy and indifference was now replaced with an overwhelming sense of fear and dread. They were filled with a complete terror at the thought that the craft might come back. And so, leaving their tent and their gear behind them, they jumped into the car and headed back to the base. What they consciously recalled was frightening enough, but what they didn't know was that they were also suffering from missing time. There were several unaccounted for hours between when they went into their tent to sleep and when they woke up to see the craft hovering nearby. Terry would soon uncover this missing section of his memory and it would alter the course of his life for good. But when he and Toby got back to the base, they could hardly say a word. Their bodies alone indicated that they had been under severe stress. Both men appeared to be dehydrated and severely sunburnt. Getting sunburnt at night is pretty fucking unusual and when radiation was detected emanating from their burnt skin it was clear it was a clear indication that they had been exposed to something entirely out of this world. While they were being treated at the base hospital Terry was separated from Toby and questioned by intelligence officers who said that they were from the Office of Special Investigations or the OSI. However they didn't question him about what had happened to him and Toby. They already seemed to know that. Their primary request was for Terry to hand over the film. Toby had in fact had a camera with him at the campsite, but the two hadn't taken any pictures. Terry repeatedly explained this to his interrogators, but they kept, they just kept saying that they didn't believe him and he needed to hand over any film he had. Eventually they took him into custody so they could conduct a more thorough interrogation. The first thing they did was force Terry to sign a document allowing them to use techniques such as hypnosis and truth serum, which is controversial as hypnotic regression is, seems to indicate that the military actually views it as a reliable means of getting information. Once Terry was put under hypnosis and injected with a special sodium pentothal cocktail, he immediately began to describe what had happened to him. To Terry's own astonishment, the blocks on his memory fell away and he remembered being on a ship where he and several other people were being examined by extraterrestrial beings. And as much as that freaked him out, the reaction of the military brass present during the interview unnerved him even more because they didn't even seem surprised. As they exchanged grim, knowing looks with each other, Terry realised that they must know of countless similar incidents. Once the interrogation was over, Terry was let go and he left the military shortly thereafter. 
He went on to become a successful government lawyer and for most of his life he kept his alien encounters strictly confidential. It was only in his later years he decided to come forward with his story. Is the story legitimate? Well, if this is all just a tall tale that Terry has created, one would have to ask why. He led a fulfilling and successful life. Why would he risk jeopardising his reputation with such a bizarre revelation? We can only wonder. There you have it, another um, another bonus Halloween episode. That was actually taken from a book on Kindle Unlimited by Conrad Bear. I'll leave the name and the full title of the book in the show notes because I can't remember. It was in my Kindle and sure, I'm not, I'm not great with technology. So yeah, there you go. Tomorrow's Halloween. Clocks go back tonight. An extra hour in bed tomorrow. An extra hour to listen to our podcast. If you like what you hear, follow us wherever you listen to episodes so you never miss one. And I'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Thanks. Bye.